Welcome to the Sharkpreneur Podcast with Kevin Harrington and Seth Green. Kevin Harrington is the inventor of the infomercial, one of the original sharks from the hit TV show Shark Tank, and has generated over $5 billion in TV and digital direct response sales. Seth Green is the world's first trusted authority on cutting-edge direct response marketing, a best-selling author, and the only three-time Marketer of the Year nominee. On the podcast, Kevin and Seth interview sharkpreneurs who share straight talk on what it takes to explode your business. Why do so many businesses struggle while others seem to explode overnight? Do you wish you had the secret to this type of exponential growth? Now, I've scaled more than 20 businesses to over $100 million, and it's not just luck. In my new book with Mark Tim, Mentor to Millions, you'll learn the repeatable framework I use in all my business ventures for massive success. Order at KevinMentor.com and get over $1,000 in bonuses. Head to KevinMentor.com. Welcome to the podcast. This is your co-host, Seth Green. Today, I have good fortune to be joined by Stephen Cardinale, the author of Synaptic Alchemy, the art and science of turning ideas into gold. He's got over 20 years of business and technology experience and now brings his creative energies to exploring and understanding tactical strategies with time-tested frameworks to recognize the common factors of successful ideas. In addition to his uh, MBA from Wharton and CEO of a successful software as a service company, he's got a whole host of other amazing experiences we're going to talk about. Stephen, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to talk to you and your listeners. This should be great. All right. Well, let's go back in time. What inspired you to write Synaptic Alchemy? So I started my last company, Sid Management, uh, 15 years ago. We started with me and my partner. Uh, we sold when we had about 700 employees. So it was a nice big win. Uh, no venture capital. So we did this from scratch. And on top of kind of the, you know, the financial benefit that you get from doing that, you learn a ton of information when you're starting a company. So you're starting, growing, running, and then exiting a company. That information that I learned was different than the stuff I learned in school. And that's what I wanted to be able to give entrepreneurs because it's really on the ground, you know, kind of tactics on what, what, do, you, what do you learn? So I put it into a kind of fun framework, alchemy. And, you know, it's kind of a, almost a Dungeons and Dragons kind of framework that you can play with. Um, and it creates three simple steps. And I thought this is a great way. I love seeing entrepreneurs succeed and I want to help others, uh, other guys do that. All right. That is a great segue into where we're headed. So tell us a little bit about some of the lessons you learned from selling your, for your selling the most recent company. Yeah. Um, so what was interesting was, being able to, to start and grow the company, well, you know, there's three se real separate segments. The starting of the company when you have 2,500 bucks and no money and you're just going to start something uh, is hard. Uh, and you, what you learn from that is that it's never about you. It's never going to be about you. It never has been about you. It's always about your customers, right? It's always about your spouse. It's always about your kids. It's always about your customers. So you have to let go of your ego when you are starting a company and really start understanding your customers and what their problems are. So the starting part really is it's never about you. And that was a, a huge lesson. And we can go deep dive into any of these things as you, as you see fit. Um, the middle part, which is growing, is really about, you know, finding the right people to get on the bus in the right place and being able to cannibalize your own products. 
which is part of just being able to understand what your customers need. And then the end part, which is selling is again, it's not about you. So the book, I actually broke it into two segments, which is the first segment, which is really understand yourself as an entrepreneur. Cause if you don't understand yourself and I'm still a work in progress. We're all works in progress, right? Uh, I didn't understand myself and I tripped plenty of times so that I was growing this company. And then the second part of the book is the alchemical transformation, the three steps that all successful journeys take to go from lead into gold, to go from idea into success. So those three pieces, start, middle, and end, have different flavors to them. And we can talk you know, in detail about all of them. Yeah, absolutely. You talk about the three steps being, and I'm going to mispronounce this, my, uh, but you're, you talk about Negretto, Albedo, and Ribetto. That is you did pretty good. You did pretty good. Right. I'm an honorary <laughs> Italian for the day. You're, you're an honorary alchemist. I'm an honorary <laughs> alchemist, even better. All right. So talk to us about what those three steps are in English and yep. then kind of how they apply to us in our day to day. Yeah. So as I was looking at what did I do that became successful? And I've been an entrepreneur my whole life. So when I went to business school, I came out of business school and I'm like, I'm going to go to Wall Street. I'm going to run Wall Street. And my business buddy said, you're going to go to Wall Street. And you're going to get fired from Wall Street is what's going to happen to you. Uh, and I'm like, no, no, you don't understand. They go, you don't understand. You don't know who you are. Right. So as I grew up being an entrepreneur, trying to understand what does it take? And again, a, a lot of this comes from the real management theory. This is not just some kind of ideas that came up in my head. This comes from Clayton Christensen, Harvard Business School professor. This comes from Jeffrey Moore, who wrote Crossing the Chasms, Crossing the Chasm. This comes from, you know, um, good to great Jim Collins. So this is real core management methodology, but it's put into a interesting and unique way to look at things. So there are three steps. And in alchemy, you can get 12 steps, 50 steps. It's kind of a, a fun thing, but who can remember 50 steps? So I boiled it down into three steps. And I'm telling you right now, every successful idea has followed these three steps, whether they knew it when they were doing it or not. And we'll use Amazon as the core example because it's such a ubiquitous you know, idea. So the three steps, Negredo, the very first thing you have to do is destroy something which is kind of counterintuitive. You're a creator, you're an entrepreneur, you're a business owner, you're an executive. You wanna create, but the very first thing you have to do is to destroy something. And this comes from jo uh, Joseph Schumpeter, who's an economist, you know, well-known in the economics field. It's creative destruction. Think about Amazon. He destroyed the idea that you have to go and buy a book at a bookstore. He didn't change, you know, Jeff Bezos did not change the idea of how we're gonna publish books until much later on. When he started, he said, I'm, you're going to go and you're going to have a chance to look at 1 million books on this cool thing called the internet, which is brand new. And then I'm going to ship it to you and you can get any book you want to your house. He destroyed the idea. I destroyed the idea when we were creating my company, Sid Management, <coughs> which was a healthcare uh, company, destroyed the idea that you had to have doctors and nurses hand do the work that they, we were doing. We said computers can do 80% of it. And then the doctor can really use their specialty to do 20%. Unheard of when we were doing this. In fact, I got people telling me, you're an idiot, you can't work. I said, but it's working. We just did a million of them you know, last month. And no, 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 you can't do it. I'm like, yeah, we can, we're doing it. So destroy the idea. It sounds easy in the rearview mirror, right? How do I destroy something? If you're an entrepreneur or you're a business owner, looking at what your customers do, and the book goes into the steps you need to do that, but you have to destroy you know, an idea. Does that make sense on that first one, Negredo? Absolutely. You've got to disrupt something that already exists. 100%. And usually the disruption 
is a mental disruption, right? Now, if you can actually disrupt something that's in, you know, really out there, great. But it's usually a behavior that you have to disrupt. You know, think about Steve Jobs and the iPod. I'm going to have one, you know, cassette tape and I have to have, you know, uh, carry this on my Walkman. And he said, no, you can carry every single song you ever had. And if you think about Spotify, they say, not only can, you know, the iPod, you can carry every single song you own. Spotify says you can carry every song on the planet on this cool thing called a phone unheard of before these guys existed. Now it's common sense, right? You know, so that's the first one. The second step is you then have to create something, usually an idea, that fills that void, that vacuum from which you destroyed something. So if you think about Amazon again, destroy, you have to go to a bookstore to buy a book, right? And there was, there was this fantastic technical bookstore in LA that I used to go to because I wanted to get this cool book on programming or this cool book on tech. And they had maybe 20,000 books. And usually I would go there, not find what I was looking for, have to order it, wait a month and a half to get it, have to go back to the bookstore. So his idea that you can just not have to go to a bookstore to buy books, then was replaced by Albedo, create something. The idea that anything you want, Mr. Customer, I will deliver to your front door. And nowadays it's delivered to your front door in two days, or maybe the same day, right? If you think about Prime, again, another real clear example about create something. Again, most of this stuff is easy to see in the rearview mirror and hard to do in advance. By the way, if you nail it in advance, you'll win. And everybody, I think that the internet is going to commoditize almost everything except for innovation and brand. So if you're not doing this, you won't be around for 10 years because someone else will do the creative destruction for you and will take your customers, right? Uh, if you think about Tesla, right? Destroy the idea, I have to put gas in my car. The new idea, cars can run on batteries. Well, unheard of prior to Tesla, really. I mean, they've owned that electric market for 10 years. And now everybody else is coming on board. Tesla will have to make another leap or they're going to get commoditized with, I've seen the Mercedes electric, I've seen the VW electric, I've seen the Ford electric, right? So suddenly the electric car becomes the new idea and becomes the standard. So when I was running SID, we destroyed the idea that doctors had to do every step of the process. We said, it's a repeatable process. They do have to do the you know, 10 or 20% that is really medical management, which is what the business we were in. But the vast majority of it, 80%, the computer can do all of the repetitive, boring, administrative work that doctors don't need to do. Destroyed that. The next idea was not only can um, you know, the computer do it, but the computer can automate it. Right? So we don't, you know, we're not just, we don't just have to you know, give them additional tools. We can automate that. Right? So you have to create something. And what's interesting is most of the time when people start to do the create part, they start to go into brainstorming sessions. So you'll see this all in, all in corporate America. Let's go and brainstorm. And what you come up with is a hundred terrible ideas that could never get traction if you tried. And if you go type in why brainstorming doesn't work on Google, you will find a thousand articles from very reputable company McKinsey, Boston Consulting Group. And they will tell you brainstorming is a terrible idea because you get a bunch of garbage. However, when you're brainstorming in service to fill the void in Albedo, this is the create part, the void of what you destroyed in the blackening part, you will come up with some, some interesting ideas. Most of them won't have legs, but you will come up with ideas that could fill the void. So that's the second step. Third step is real, um, it's more tactical. So the first two steps are really more um, thought experiments. The third step, Rubedo, is you have to breathe life into it. So you have to scale something. If you cannot take your idea 
and turn it into a scalable systematic approach to the world. You then have a kind of cult of personality. You have, you know, one-offs. You'll see this with entrepreneurs a lot. They'll do a thousand custom ideas for customers because they need the money. And then they go, how do I scale? You go, you can't because you just created a thousand products. You didn't systematize it. So at Sid, we got this reputation of being this, this company that's systematized. We decided this was the best way to do things. And we'd have customers come to us and go, oh, we like the way you do things, but we want you to do steps one through five, the way you do it, that's fine. But then step six, seven, eight, nine, you got to do it the way we do it. And our answer would be, you're not our customer. And that was hard as heck to turn customers away and go, we have an opinionated way of doing business. Now there's lots of you know, ways that they could flip things around and they could personalize it. But if they wanted to go left and our idea was to go right, we had to get to a point where we could systematize and we could grow things. So scale something is the last piece. So destroy something is first step, create something is second step, scale something is a third step. If you nail this, you will win. Awesome. Now, I mean, we could spend hours and hours just yep. that, but you talked about several times about knowing yourself as an entrepreneur. What are the, yep. what, what is the concept behind the philosopher stone archetypes yep. and how does that affect how we build, grow, scale and exit businesses? Yeah. All right. So the know yourself. So the, the alchemical transformation, those three steps that I just went through are the three steps to do something. The first part of the book talks about knowing who you are, which is understanding something, understanding yourself. And there's two pieces to that puzzle. And I, and I couch them, and you will have heard this before, but I couch them in a fun way with is the prima materia, what are you made of? And this is part of the alchemy language. And that's kind of your personality. Okay, that's the first step. So I'll give you one thing uh, that's really hit me. So for example, I've been told that I'm one of the most collaborative executives that people can find because I always want to play with better tennis players. I'm always like, all right, come on, let's go storm the beach. Let's go save all the kids. Let's go. Um, and then I took the big five personality test. And one of the pieces of the big five personality test is how agreeable are you? How much do you really want to work with someone? And I score really low on agreeableness. And oh, did that piss me off? Like, no, I'm very agreeable. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm actually being unagreeable in my agreeableness. <laughs> Um, and I realized that once I have made up my mind, this is the direction we're going to go. I'll put a lot of evidence behind that. It'll take me a long time to decide this is the best way to go, right? But then I'll make that decision and it'll take a lot of evidence to switch me. And that personality trait of we've made a good decision fueled how the corporate culture of my company worked. We are the opinionated guys. And if you need a custom solution, there are other companies that can help you. So my understanding of my personality, you're opinionated, be okay with that, right? You're not that, you're not going to bend over backwards and twist yourself into a pretzel to understand a customer, really sh shift the culture of Sid. So knowing who you are, whether you're an executive or a business owner or an entrepreneur will leak into the culture. And I'll give you a real clear negative example on this. I was talking with an executive who was the CEO of an NYSE listed company. And his statement was, every day I want to know why people, how people are making me money. And he would get into the elevator with a secretary and he would pull the, the, you know, the stop on the elevator and ask her, how are you making money today? The corporate culture of his company was fear and intimidation, not serve the customer, not grow the company, not become the best version of yourself or the company. And the company stalled because he 
I don't know whether he knew it or not, but how he expressed himself, which is the second part, we'll talk about that, is fear and intimidation, right? And I'll give you another clear example. Um, part of the way that I, I understand myself is I need to make a company that's re replicatable, that will put me out of business personally. I can't be the linchpin and then become just the guy who is the, you know, the cult of personality. That's something that I understand about myself and I'm okay with that. Um, I've seen other companies where the CEO or the founders, they have to have their fingerprints on everything. You go, how are you gonna scale that? So if you don't understand who you are, you will trip in the three steps of the alchemical process. So that's the first step. So private material, understand who you are. The second piece is the philosopher's stone. And essentially it's how do you express yourself in the world? These are, and these are archetypes. And I didn't realize this. And if you read the book, you'll find 12 archetypes and these come from Jungian psychology. So this is not just me making stuff up. This is uh, you know, from Carl Jung. This is from Joseph Conrad. These are archetypes that have been in psychology for a long time. I fit in one of the archetypes called the magician. I love to take things apart understand how they work, put them back together in this cool way. And it seems like the next iteration is magic. It's not, I just understand the basis of it. So I know that if you give me something, I'm going to try to take it apart and understand it. There's another archetype called the rebel. They're always looking at ways to go against the grain. So the first piece is prime material, know who you are. The second piece is the philosopher's stone, know how you express yourself to the world. Once you know those two pieces, you can start to build things that are in alignment and authentic to who you are. If you don't know that, you will do stuff <clears throat> that doesn't fit and is not in alignment. That makes a ton of sense. You also talk, uh, among many other things in the book, on how people will give you plenty of reasons why they do things, but our psych psychology drives us in a desire for two things. What are those two things? Uh, you actually have to tell me because I don't remember exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, competency and certainty. Uh-huh. So the ability to be certain, right? The ability to think that you are, and this actually, I follow stoicism as a philosophy. Um, and stoicism really has helped me. And, and anybody who's, you know, who's listening to this, if you happen to follow the daily stoic, go online, you yep. can do the newsletter for free. You know, he's awesome, right? I don't know if you follow it, but he's-, he's Got the book, great. get the newsletter. Get, yeah, got the book, get the, get the book, get the, the newsletter. Um, ego is the enemy. And so there, there I, so I use kind of sound bites to run the company. So we had 35 sound bites that allowed me to run the company. And I actually went to the Himalayas and I did a trek on Mount Everest while I was running the company because there were 35 sound bites that allowed me to run the company from my phone. And one of the sound bites is the following. A better question, uh, <clears throat> a better question is more important than the right answer because usually the right answer to the wrong question. If my ego is fully engaged and I have to be certain, right, then I'm not asking better questions. And the arrogance of I have the right answer will typically, usually you'll end up, you know, falling on your face and going, no, I don't have the right answer. And that even fits with my ability to go, I'm opinionated. I, you know, I'm not necessarily the most agreeable, you know, entrepreneur. I, once I have an opinion, but it, I still realize it's an opinion. And if the environment changes or evidence changes, I'm not so attached to that opinion that it becomes woven into my DNA and it's, it's mine. So I'll give you a clear example of the company I had before I had Sid. We had a t-shirt company and we were making t-shirts and 
we got this order in from uh, the manufacturer, wrong color, wrong printing on it. I told my director of operations, sends it back. No one's going to buy this. It's pink. It's supposed to be purple, or I don't remember what color it was. Um, and my director of operations said, no, let's just put it up on the internet. Let's see if it sells. I'm like, no, no, no. I know I'm right. I My ego is fully engaged. I'm completely certain it's not going to sell. He put it up anyways. It sold out. Very humbling experience to go, oh, man. I thought I was right. My ego, oh, that one, that one smarted. My ego got smacked dead center in the face and said, "You're stop being so certain. So certainty or a better question is more important than the right answer because it's usually the right answer to the wrong question. Being able to ask better questions is the key to being able to do things. And one of the things that was interesting is my director of operations would come in and he would go, I know where we have to go. I, we have to go to the left by four degrees. And that will answer the question. I go, you know, I go, great. You're asking the wrong question. The question you should be asking is right behind you. And he would go, oh crap, you're right. I'm solving the wrong puzzle. The puzzle I need to solve is the one behind me. And usually it's the puzzle I need to solve is what do my customers really need versus what do I want to give them? Right. So that, that's a kind of a, a certainty piece. And we can go into, you know, lots of detail on how I think stoicism really is a great way to run a company, right? You've achieved so much success. What's your biggest challenge now? That's a great question. <laughs> um, I'm, I want to do something and serve more people. And so being able to recognize, this comes part of knowing thyself, being able to recognize that the way I do that is by building companies. So the book was an interesting thing that I want to give back to the community, but at, at, at the beginning, it was, I'm going to go become an author and I'll go on the speaking tour and everything. And I realized that's a wonderful thing to do, but it's not core to who I am. I want to change the world by putting organizations on the ground, coming up with new ideas. So being able to be authentic to myself, still do these podcast interviews, still promote the book, still give ideas back to the world, but then let go of the attachment to, I have to be you know, the, the big author and, and, and selling everything and start the new company. So I, so balance for me, it doesn't kind of exist. Um, so I have a new company that I'm putting on the ground. It's kind of in, you know, um, alpha mode, right? Well, you know, it's, it's a secret. We'll come up with it probably by the end of the year, but realizing that I do this because I want to give back to the community, but the way I'll make my mark is by building companies in which I am irrelevant. I will build companies by design that I can replace myself. So I can sell them or I can grow them or, you know, so I don't have to. So that's my biggest challenge is making sure I stay authentic to who am I? I want to build companies. Awesome. Your passion is obvious. What do you like best about what you're doing? Um, <laughs> uncertainty. One of the reasons I went to the Himalayas uh, after I got my, uh, my MBA was that it was a fantastic trek and was sponsored by Wharton. And I think there were 16 MBAs uh, on it. And the whole idea was decision-making under uncertainty. When you're on the mountain, when you're on Mount Everest, Mount Everest doesn't care how much money you have, what car you drive, how fancy your office is, what your title is. If the mountain decides it's going to rain and thunder and storm, and you're going to die on that mountain today, the mountain wins, right? So you have to, you have no certainty in how you make decisions, but you still have to make decisions. Do we continue going forward? Do we hunker down? Do we go on this side of the mountain? So decision-making under uncertainty is the thing that the mountain taught me. 
And it is the thing that I like the most because we all, as business people, we're making decisions all the time with the best available data. We don't have equations to go one plus one is two. Even when you're you know, buying marketing ads, you go, I hope this is going to work, but damn, now things have suddenly changed, whether it's Google changed the algorithm or whether the customer base has changed or whether COVID has hit, we're making the best guesses with, with the best information we have at the moment. I think that is a wonderful, terrifying, and exciting place to live right on the edge. Awesome. Fascinating interview. Incredible book for our, our viewers and our listeners who want to learn more. Where is the best place for them to go to get the book? And where is the best place for them to go to learn more about you? Yeah. So that's easy. You can get the book basically whenever books are sold, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Apple, you can get it on Kindle, you can get it hardback, you get it soft cover, just go to wherever you buy books. You can also go to www.synapticalchemy.com. You can find out a bunch of information about that. I typically live on LinkedIn. So if you go to LinkedIn and type in just my personal name, Stephen Cardinelli, uh, you'll find me on there. Uh, and you can find me basically on Facebook, the Facebook Synaptic Alchemy page. So if you just go to Facebook and type in Synaptic Alchemy, you'll find it. I do go on Twitter once in a while. I should probably tweet more, but I don't. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter eh, sometimes. All right. Well, this has been Seth Green for Sharkpreneur with Stephen Cardinale from Synaptic Alchemy. Stephen, thanks so much. Thank you very much, Seth. That was awesome. Thanks, everybody, for watching or listening. We'll see you or talk to you next time. Do you need money to fund your idea, product, or service? Are you ready to take your business to the next level but need capital to get it done? Kevin Harrington has heard more than 50,000 pitches and knows how to help you make the perfect pitch to get the funding for your entrepreneurial dream. He's distilled the process down in his perfect pitch cheat sheet, and it's yours for free. Just text PITCH to him right now at 727-888-2100. Text PITCH to 727-888-2100 right now and claim your free perfect pitch cheat sheet. Text PITCH to 727-888-2100 to start funding your dream today. This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC. To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.